the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. DR shovels it to Jackson, down the lane, kick it out, Hawkins left side, steps left, shoots the three, got it. Connecticut is blowing out Gonzaga. And the pull down by Johnson, outside for Butler for three, it's good! It is over. The San Diego State Aztecs for the first time in program history will head to the final four. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It is an incredible Monday. Welcome to Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez starting things off here. Well, on, I would say, a historic Monday. Why? Well, because we have in front of us uh, about five, six days away, right? Saturday, what would that sit five days away? The or one of the greatest Final Fours ever for college basketball. Yes, I said it. I think all of us have said it at some point. Um, and and credit the NIL, credit the transfer portal, but welcome to Final Four Week. Why? Because the Final Four has created for me what I think is the best tournament I've ever seen. Talking about someone who obviously lived through some glory days of UNLV basketball, but we are talking about Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, Florida, and Connecticut, as I like to call it, pronouncing every syllable. Um, so, yeah, this is a Saturday in Houston. We're going to see some matchups that I don't think anybody could have possibly dreamed of. I know that uh, my bracket's blown up. I don't have any finalists left. Alabama was my last glimmer of hope. But as it is, we are going to be talking throughout today about this Final Four matchup, the National Semifinals, a matchup that, well, as I said, I don't think anybody dreamt of. And if I'm not mistaken, there may have been mm, a couple of dozen of perfect brackets on ESPN's March Madness contest. I don't think anybody had a perfect bracket in our Las Vegas Sports Network bracket. So uh, get ready. Buckle up because it is fantastic. And I don't understand realistically why so many people are mad about the schools that got in other than the fact that maybe they ruined some future bets or the fact that you don't know about them. But if you are hyped about college basketball, whether it's from the start of the season in November or just because of March Madness, and that's when you get geared up, but a lot of people don't watch the NBA, they watch college basketball, but so many people that are fired up in a negative way about the Final Four that we have, I don't get it. This is what college basketball is all about because the narratives behind the Blue Bloods, they tend to, for me, become rudimentary. They become, you know, the same. There's, there, you know, the storylines may change because of certain players, but when you have four teams like this in the Final Four, there are so many great storylines. From a journalist standpoint, I would love to be going to Houston and covering one of these teams. I would love to be a beat writer, obviously, on one of these teams to talk about first time ever making it, talking about the unexpected journey. Um, this, it just makes the intrigue that much better. And when you're watching those first couple of rounds, 
that first week of um, the NC2A tournament, you kind of live for those buzzer beaters. You live for those upsets. People just don't expect it to carry all the way to the national semifinals. Then when you have it and you have unfamiliar teams, it doesn't make the basketball any less. It doesn't make it if not, it makes it even better because you got hungry teams really going after it. I mean, one team that everyone has sort of made the overwhelming favorite is Connecticut. Um, due to the fact that they've just run through four opponents by double digits, absolutely destroying Gonzaga, which we'll get into further on Gonzaga later on in the show. But uh, you know what? Miami, Florida is going to put up its best fight, and I don't know if a week's worth of preparation for UConn, um, I, I don't know if the Huskies you know, know what they're going to be up against because Miami has a deep, deep roster, guys that are familiar with one another, a lot of experience on that team, well coached, and then with Florida and Atlantic, Florida Atlantic and San Diego State, a couple of defensive minded teams. Um, you know, they're long overdue for obviously the Aztecs, which have been well coached since Steve Fisher was there, and now with with uh, with Dutch in place, Brian D- uh, Dutcher. I, you know, I I think this makes for fantastic basketball. It should make for fantastic ratings, Steve. I know you're excited just based on the storylines that we're seeing. I think it's awesome. And this is something we've been waiting for for a long time is even more balance than we've had in the past. And we'll go through some of the complaints. Like, I get it. If you don't watch college basketball for 48 weeks of the year and you look up now and you're like, what? What happened? Well, that's on you. And while those of us around college basketball, because I've covered college basketball for like 30-plus years, what we don't appreciate, and I don't think the coaches and the players appreciate, is outsiders coming in and then claiming that the sport sucks. When you haven't watched all season, you don't understand what's been going on in terms of uh, balance, in terms of what's happened with the NIL. This is the best... It's been, in terms of a, a true meritocracy of teams getting in and big boys having a win, this is great for college basketball. It gives everyone around the country a chance to root for their school and a chance for their school to get to the table. Meanwhile, I think this is going to happen in college football. It's going to take a little longer. But meanwhile, in football, people complain that it's only the big boys. So what do you want? Right. Do you want more balance? Right. Or do you want just big boys? Because in football, you guys all piss and moan that it seems like it's the same six schools, which, by the way, it's not. And slowly, college football is getting more balanced. What I saw this weekend was more players from around the world mm. spread out to more schools. NIL is not a bad thing. It gives everyone a fair chance to buy themselves to the table. And look at the schools that are in it. Jim Beheim complained, you know, one of the biggest cheaters in NCAA history complained that Wake Forest and Miami were, they cheated to put together their team. They mean, you mean they use your blueprint from the 80s and 90s and the 2000s. Right. FAU has good players. They do. Now, I have no idea what their budget is. I always call it resources. You do notice that Florida Atlantic did hire, in kind of a shocker, Tom Herman the former Texas coach, a multimillionaire, former Houston coach, as their head coach. They've got a budget there. They had Lane Kiffin. 
So they've been working on this, whether it was above board or, you know, whatever you want to call it in the past, the, the resources. So those are two of the teams. San Diego State has been on the precipice of breaking through one of these years. They're the best program consistently the last 20 years on the West Coast. It's not UCLA until recently. It's not USC. San Diego State has been the best program on the West Coast, regardless of Pac-12. And they go even further back than Gonzaga. But San Diego State deserves this. Yep, They're doing it the right way. They're doing it almost the impossible way by keeping a team together with fifth and sometimes six-year guys. So this is not a bad thing. Just because you don't pay attention to college basketball, you can't come in, and I'm going to get to Charles Barkley later on, you can't come in and then criticize our sport based on watching for two and three weeks. That's bull crap. So, yeah, I'm starting out you know, all fired up here. But I, I am extremely happy yeah. with what we're going to see because I hope this happens eventually in college football, and I think it will. Player movement up and down in terms of up to Power 5 and down to mid-majors, the mobility is a really good thing. And to two of your points, one is for those people you said that have come in after 48 weeks, the, as I mentioned at the top, the reason they come in after 48 weeks is what do they love? March. Madness. And what do you love about March Madness? It's those upsets. So if you're coming in after 48 weeks because you love to see the little guys win, but you're disappointed because you're the main reason that you're not you're not excited is because you're not familiar with the program, you're not familiar with the team, you're not familiar with the players, you're not familiar with the coaches. Well, start becoming familiar. And the other thing to Florida Atlantic's budget, by the way, you mentioned Lane Kiffin. Let's not forget that, hey, who built some bankroll there? From for about eleven years at the two thousand beginning of two thousand, Howard Schnellenberger went to he went to retire there and and help build that program. He coached the football program. So these little guys either got the, you know yeah. you, you, and, and really Miami from an athletic standpoint has never been a little guy. What you're seeing here in both Miami and in UConn is a resurgence. No, to, Howard Schnellenberger coached at Ford Atlantic. Oh, okay, you're right. He did start it. Yeah, up. you're right. I'm no, sorry. he finished it right. Yeah. He, I think two thousand one yeah. to about eleven or twelve. Yeah, he did. He so did. that yeah. was a startup program. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. So. And and here's the thing, it should it get, should give hope to lots of mid majors around college basketball. Anyone can do this. You have to have the right management, and you have to have some local support. Um, so this to me is great. And then you know I didn't mention the other school, and that is UConn. Mm-hmm. UConn should give every glory program that has been you know out of the mix for say ten years or more hope that hey we can get back there because we used to have you know what it took. I love UNLV. Yeah, and you're whispering UNLV. Here's the thing. UConn was one of those programs in the late 80s, but especially in the 90s and the early 2000s. They used their resources. How do you think they got players from California? I mean, they, they got nabbed, so I don't have to call it resources. They got nabbed for cheating at one point. Mm-hmm. So, And now they're proving they're not a one-coach program. Jim Calhoun did most of that, followed by Kevin Ollie, who essentially was an offshoot of Calhoun. So there's a lot of stuff that is great right now going on in college basketball, uh, but a negative is not Florida Atlantic and UConn and Miami and San Diego State making the Final Four and the big boys you're used to missing out. This is great. Now there's more hope than ever. Everyone has a fresh start every year. If you do the right things, maybe you can get here to the Final Four. Cofield and Company is live at LV Ballpark this Tuesday from 3 to 6 p.m. for Rebels Baseball. UNLV is taking on Arizona State. Get your tickets now at UNLVtickets.com. 
This is JT for Grimaldi's Pizzeria, cold-fired brick oven pizza, a must-have. For anyone craving great pizza, locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. Learn more at GrimaldisPizzeria.com. They've got all the metrics to win a national championship. They average 17 assists. They're plus nine on the glass against great competition. They shoot 46% from the field. They shoot the three well. Their backup units are just as good as their starters. They were by far, we played a really good schedule this year, and that was by far the best team we have. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Rick Patino on the way back. Yeah, we'll get to UConn because we watch UConn just freaking dismantle, oh. just destroy oh. Gonzaga in the second half. On Saturday. Willie's here. It's Cofield. Cofield and company. I think one of the greatest Final Fours uh, we've ever seen, one of the greatest tournaments we've ever seen, uh, is going down. All the hype for it this week. Games on Saturday and next Monday. Uh, Willie and I, after Saturday and Sunday, didn't say a word to each other. Nothing. I didn't text you. I didn't talk any college basketball with you. And when you sent over your stories today, I was like, oh, that's interesting. You and I are in lockstep on how cool this is and I'll go back and I believe I'm going to hit on this throughout the show um this is good for college basketball it's good for sports it's good for the kids and I want to repeat again because I've been bullied and bashed (laughs) over the last say like five six years on the transfer portal first and now NIL and I told everyone this is going to be good for college basketball movement And compensation is good for the players. And that it's going to balance out college football. College football seems to be a behemoth that can't be stopped with the biggest programs, but you're seeing more and more balance, right? Alabama going into last year was supposedly the greatest thing we've ever seen. They didn't make the field. I'm talking about the Final Four field in college football. The playoff is going to be one of the greatest events going because it's going to give lots of teams a chance. And what kids are going to see is, oh, I can now I can actually go to this place and not go as the fourth quarterback in line. I can go and be the guy at school 25 or 35 or 45, and because there's an actual tournament, I have a chance to get in. And I was reading a couple of comments from some sports media people who are so wrong on this stuff. It's It's amazing, and they're – the, the, the worst part about, especially radio people, is either they're, they're playing a character or they're simply not putting themselves in the kid's shoes and the, and the uh, you know, less than prominent schools of the past. Mark Ryan, who we know, who started in Houston, was a kind of a backup fill-in host on one of the Houston Sports Talk radio stations found himself a gig in Greenville, South Carolina. And he's made a nice little career for himself the last five or six years. He's a big deal there. And I'm sure he's making a lot more money and he's getting a lot more shine than he did when he was one of the backups in Houston. And I read his comment, the NIL era in college basketball is disgraceful in many ways, and this tournament feels like one of the last we're going to see before the fears of... Only 25 schools being able to compete. Wait, doesn't this show you that the talent is going to be spread over more schools? Wait, FAU makes it as a nine seed? Creighton 
was on the edge of making it. San Diego State, which is not a Power 5 yet, made it. Miami has been a good basketball school, but not great basketball school. They made it. So this uh, this dude in South Carolina on Sports Talk Radio said, enjoy it while it lasts. Pray for NIL regulation. Brah! Willie, you heard me accentuate. Was a backup in Houston. Went to a smaller market and a smaller school. Covering. Um, I'm Now I'm mixing it with college basketball. Went to a smaller market, right? And now he's having a lot of success. So we're all allowed to have mobility as radio people and whatever job you guys have out there. You can leave. When you have a chance to step to the next level, you can leave. And, hey, congrats. Nice job. There's so many cool stories in this tournament. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there watching UConn and Gonzaga play on Friday. And you got Malachi Smith, who played a key role in the previous game, is at Gonzaga on the edge of the Final Four. He was at UT Chattanooga. I'm also looking out there. I'm like, who's the the six four kid on UConn making threes and like celebrating and pointing to his head and having a grand old time? Oh, Joey Calcaterra. You know where I saw Joey last year? Here in Vegas, playing on a bad San Diego Torero team, getting walloped by UNLV. Going 0 for 6 and 0 for 4 from 3. I don't know how he hooked up with UConn, but how about that for a story? And you know why? Because he had the chance to move up. And if guys get over-recruited at a higher level, Willie, they have a chance to move laterally or down where maybe there's more opportunities. How is that a bad thing? And I just gave you two examples. How Now, th- those, are, those are the rich getting richer, right? Mm-hmm. But we've also seen schools like FAU – San Diego State has been a transfer haven, mm-hmm. right? Just and again, I'm going to go. I don't want to keep bashing people, but especially media people. Just because you don't know the San Diego State roster, and believe me, we know it. I don't want to know it. All right, <laughs> I don't like it. I'm sick to my stomach. We'll get into this too. Your rooting interest, but the San Diego State roster is built with guys who stay around a long time, and a lot of times they bring in transfers who are going to stay for two and three years. That's a philosophy that's worked. Arguably their best player, Matt Bradley, Cal, down in name, right, in terms of conferences. Stature. Matt Bradley, down, right? Micah Parrish, up from the MAC. Agueca Rope was a transfer in, right? A little bit down. He's one of their key role players. So this is, this is good, and people will adjust. Everyone's going to be okay. And, yeah, it's going to be harder than ever to win national titles now because, well, this, there's this other fear that, like, everyone's just going to buy players. Well, guess what? You can buy a player. If you're North Carolina or Kentucky, you can buy a player. You've been doing it. And guess what happens, Willie? They don't play. Then they're like, wait a second, I want to play. So as an example, and now I'm blanking on the kid's name. It just disappeared, right? Who was uh, UCLA's best player for the last couple of years? A wing player. I'll get his name in a second. But he was at Kentucky. Lateral. He played. He turned into a great player. 
So even the big boys, you can have the biggest budget you, you want. It's only a one-year deal. And I know everyone hates this, but you're also all full of it. Because as Willie interjected there, all your big boys that you love in the glory days of college basketball, there were so many of those rosters that were bought and paid, at least at the top, with two or three players. Stop kidding yourselves. Okay? We've been doing this. This NIL thing we've been doing for 60 years, just in a different way, under a different title. And it was uh, Juzang. As we Johnny approach, Juzang. As we approach the two Final Fours of the two tournaments that the NC2A owns. Uh-oh. Want to know the most successful conference that's going to make a bundle? Big East is in it. ACC's in it. Yep. The Big Ten's in it. Oh, then there's the WAC in the Mountain West. The Conference USA has three teams, North Texas, UAB, and Florida Atlantic. Tomorrow we have the semifinals of the NIT here in Vegas. Yeah. Houston's got the four. But the conferences are also going to benefit. And you talked about the, the transfer portal and guys landing in comfortable situations where they can thrive. You know what this is also going to do down the road? Yes, there are going to be coaches that use these places as stepping stones, i.e. Rick Pitino got back into coaching after his right. controversy, Iona to St. John's. But we are going to soon run into situations where guys are going to guess what? They're going to be like, no, you know what? I'm I just going to stay here, here because I can build it and I can just yep. stay there. I can do it because so I, I have resources. Yep. in the long run. You think there will be more stability with the coaches? Yes. They won't move around as much. Because and by the way, what else there, is going to happen? Money's going to arrive. There was nothing wrong with moving around. See, that, that's the other great thing is people are, for the last five or six years, as the portals exploded, people are like, oh, this is terrible. Well, the player's moving everywhere. No loyalty. What about the coaches? Right. I mean, good for him. The guy Tobin Anderson – FDU pulls off the upset of Purdue in the first round. He was gone like three days after. He, they're out of the tournament. Iona opens up. Oh, thanks, FDU. One-year Division One coach. See ya. I didn't hear anyone saying, ah, that son of a bitch. No loyalty. So I'm, we're, just, we're here. I know this sounds luxury, but you get a lot of bad messaging because people who don't cover college sports and don't cover college basketball don't know what they're talking about. They try to drop in these two, three weeks. Ignore them. If you've never heard them talk college basketball before, and that includes Charles Barkley, who does it for three weeks with CBS and then goes back to the NBA. I don't care what Barkley has to say. I don't. He doesn't cover college basketball. He clearly doesn't talk to anyone. He doesn't talk to the kids who moved up and down and had success. He clearly wasn't even watching the friggin' tournament. He's covering these great fears that every, you know, only the best schools are going to have all the players. There's 13 guys! There's only so many guys that you can give NIL to, and then even when you give it to them, they're like, eh, you know what, I'm not staying. Someone else can give it to me. There's no worries here. That's the key. That's the key what you just said. The difference between the past, Steve, where before there was NIL and there were envelopes being handed, those big boys could afford it. Guess what? Now it's the character and the athlete that's getting the NIL deal. Those are the those are the people, they're the ones that are dictating their budget and their their worth and their value. So someone has a breakout year for Florida Atlantic or these little schools or San Diego State th- because of who they are is going to get them just as much because it's the it's the the uh, the product that wants the athlete. Whereas Yes, the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Kentuckys could afford those backdoor envelopes. No problem. Now, hey, 
we're with Nike. We're with Under Armour. We want to. We want that athlete, that that badass athlete. We don't care what school they're in. It's the athletes that's selling the product, not the school. On the way back, let's talk about the Mountain West Conference and San Diego State making the Final Four and just how they did it and the call at the end of the game in the Elite Eight against Creighton. ESPN Las Vegas is giving you a chance to win tickets to see Depeche Mode at the T-Mobile Arena. Listen to the Press Box and Cofield and Company all week long for your chance to win. Or go to AXS.com to purchase tickets. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. So let's talk about San Diego State from the Mountain West Conference, a uh, rival. It's been a one-sided rivalry of late, a rival of UNLV. San Diego State makes the Final Four. Grinder game, right? What else do you expect? No matter how high-powered teams are, uh, Alabama got dragged into the muck. Creighton, I think, can play that kind of basketball, but it got dragged into the muck. It's also a team that can score 85, 90 points, very talented team. By the way, Creighton will be back. Uh, Ryan Miller is doing a great job with uh, McDermott recruiting. That's a really young team, a bunch of – Freshmen and sophomores, and uh, Kalkbrenner, if he stays, is uh, only a junior. So the end of the game. We go into this all the time, right? NFL, you know, is it a P.I.? Is it a hold? Late in the game, minute left. Basketball, do you swallow the whistle? What do you do? So what do you see on the play with uh, Darion Trammell? It was a foul. The only problem that I had was, and yet, and I'm on the side, I've always been on the side, that you see it, you call it. The problem is you're not going to tell me that you didn't see it all game. You're not going to tell me that. Like I heard somebody on, a, on one of the national shows earlier this uh, earlier today saying, you see it, you call it, and even if you, know, you were letting them play all game, no, I'm sorry, 39 straight minutes – you're not going to tell me that you swallowed the whistle just to, because they're two physical defensive teams and all of a sudden you call that one. So, yes, you have to set precedent early on, and I'm not saying that you're going to get every single one, but, Steve, they were they were letting them play. They were letting some of that stuff go. You cannot turn around and then with one second left or whatever it was, one point something after they reviewed it, and then make that call. To me, that's wrong because it did decide the game. I have no problem in you making that call if it decides a game or not, but you need to be calling it tight all game long. But they looked at the nature of these two teams. They said, this is how they go. Now all of a sudden you you call that. That was, that was tough. It was tough to see only for that reason. Normally, I don't have a problem with it. It was a good call. It just didn't fit in that game based on what they had been doing. Okay, I can buy that. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I like consistency. But for people who didn't bring up that point, you make the call. It doesn't matter when it is in the game, and it was enough of a foul that it altered his shot. Mm -hmm. And for people out there who are like, let the kids decide the game. If you don't make the call, you're not letting the kids decide the game. Darren Trammell partially decided the game by destroying – Nebhart off the dribble and got himself to a good position, and he got touched enough that it altered the shot. Right. So if you don't make the call, you're not letting the kids. You're altering the game right. anyway. Right. You're making a decision that is taking it out of the kids' hands. That's not fair to Trammell. Right. So, too bad. Creighton had plenty of chances to win. They got, like I said, dragged into the muck. 
play a you know a better offensive game. Don't make mistakes by dribbling into the teeth of San Diego State's defense. By the way, also find different ways to get shots up. And you know, going back to the Alabama game, it was amazing. Alabama's a big athletic team, and at the end of the game, they kept trying to get to the hole. Guess what happens when you try to go to the basket? You try to elevate into the trees, even if they're smaller trees against San Diego State. We've seen this story for about 15 years now. Mm-hmm. How hard is it just to make a freaking floater or a layup within eight feet of the basket, right? And I have to think that that win, there's a lot of teams out there, a lot of scrappy teams that come out of that Alabama win, knowing that Alabama was one of the last ones left, ones meaning one, that have a letdown. But credit to Dutch because there's a lot of coaches that, you know, you you, you kind of rein that in. And you and you and he you've interviewed him more times than I have. I've been in press conferences with him. He's he's no holds bar. He he he's straightforward with it. No sugarcoating anything. He's probably like that with his kids. Sure he is. And making sure that they know, hey, this win doesn't mean anything. You think that we're just gonna walk in here and beat this crate? No, 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 no. So now they're ready, and, and they, they lost. They, they came in, and they lost to Creighton in the tournament last year, and then and then on the way they build a roster because uh, they do take transfers all the time. Um, you know, Dutcher told us in an interview before the Mountain West Conference tournament, you either buy in or you don't play. Which yeah. and buying in is playing defense. Yeah. And yeah. Matt Bradley, listen, folks. Again, we got a lot of stories about San Diego State, and we'll be telling more of them on Thursday and Friday. We're going to be live at the Final Four in Houston. It's all presented by Paul Padilla and. Subaru of Las Vegas. So we'll have a couple of shows from Radio Row. It's our favorite shows of the year as we get really hardcore into college basketball. So we'll have more San Diego State stories. Matt Bradley, from what I've heard, because you watch him, right? He's pretty dramatic. Uh, it's probably a bad decision on Cal's part, but uh, folks at Cal were like, yeah, we don't care if he leaves. We're, we're sick of this because he's a hard guy to deal with. And the, they have to manage him a lot at San Diego State. And one of the first things – you know, they got into when Brad, Bradley was a 22-point-per-game uh, scorer at Cal. Guys like that, wait, you're going to come to San Diego State. Now some games you may take six shots, bruh, but you know what you're going to do if you want to play? Play defense. And if you don't want to play defense, then you ain't playing. Remember he and Dutcher doesn't care. He, yeah. he, it's like, I got other guys who know the program. Like, listen, Adam Seiko and, and uh, Agueca Rope are 40 years old, right? But he knows when he puts them in, they're going to play D. Like, Seiko loves to shoot threes. Every fifth game, I'll have, you know, four threes. You don't play D, you're not going to be on the floor. Right. You know, and they've had guys in the past. Some some haven't worked. They brought in, you know, other guards. You don't play defense, you don't play. So, I mean, there's a whole system there. Um, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust. Did you see, speaking of that, what was Dutcher doing with the trust fall off oh. the net-cutting ladder? What was that? Oh, my goodness. Just real quick to your point, that was one of that was a great press conference during the Mountain West when he came in. It was very the very first things he said. We go in the we go into the living room to talk to these recruits. We tell the parents, if you don't want to play defense, don't bother coming. Yeah. That was great. But yeah, he uh so he cut the net and he turned around and he did the trust fall backwards off the ladder. They caught him. I look he looked backwards for a second, like, we good? <laughs> yes. I don't know. I saw I was scrolling around Instagram yesterday. I saw some some chick who looks like maybe she was like 24, partying. She's up on some stage, and she looks back. She does a trust fall. They just got out of the way and let her fall on the floor from like 14 feet up in the air. Yeah. yeah no, the, guy, the guys were like like a cheerleading squad and dutch her right into their hands. Oh, yeah. No, they were waiting. They were ready. They had to have had that, you know, if we win, here's what we're going to do. I'll cut the last, you know, because he did. It was quick. He turned, looked. There was no setting it up. You know, setting it up. 
You have uh, you have eight people you know that you would trust to form a basket for you and do the trust fall? No. No, just fall backwards now? Uh, uh. I mean, we work with a lot of people, Lotus. What if we gathered all the producers well, here? What if we gathered tr- all the producers? Like, Here's Willie's, the thing. Willie's going to do a trust fall, and all it would be is you're on the floor, yeah. and you fall. You're not on a ladder. Mm-mm. Come on, the producer's here. I trust Ari. He's not strong enough. I think Ari. I think Ari might pull out the arms at the last second. You wouldn't even know. What are you gonna? We're gonna have a video of it. Actually, we probably would. Video I trust it. you. I don't. I definitely don't trust Adam. Why not? Adam would pull the phone out to want to film it. That's a good point. He'd be distracted. Yeah, he 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 would have no part of it. He would think it's funny. He'd want to make sure that other people did it just to have it, so it would go viral. Um, Candy would be at home. So, uh, JVT, I'm not sure. JVT might be he he. I mean, we're built for we are built as a trust fall catching show. Yeah, we have a lot. Well, of the big, three of you, of you, fellas, Adam, and JVT bases. are built for it. Yeah, but Adam's definitely pulling the phone out, or he's getting a, he's he's scrolling. And don't be like, oh, sorry, my sorry, big thud. Yeah, it's a little different when you're a coach. Demo, catch, I, I, you know who me I, or else. I trust oh, demo. Like demo and you know who else I trust? Our production guy. I, I trust our sales. I trust Brian and Patty just because I know that I kick ass on the shows for them at Treasure Island and uh, and uh, Westgate. So I know that they would be there. So it's gonna, you know, I'd, I'd have to probably reach into my own depths of, you know, I got. I have to, of course, I'd get Jordan. He yeah, could. He could probably catch me. He could probably catch me. He could handle it by himself. Still giveaway right now. Depeche Mode is in town. Wow, that's a cool show. At T-Mobile, legend of the 80s into the 90s, Depeche Mode, this Thursday, T-Mobile Arena. You can grab your tickets at AXS.com. Ari's got a pair right now. Depeche Mode at T-Mobile this week, AXS.com. Two tickets, 364-1100, caller number seven. Cofield and Company is live at LV Ballpark this Tuesday from 3 to 6 p.m. for Rebels Baseball. UNLV is taking on Arizona State. Get your tickets now at UNLVtickets.com. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. UNLV football will be back at practice, spring practice. Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and then the spring game. They're getting ready for their spring game on April 8th. So we've had uh, ESPN Las Vegas crew out there just about every practice, talking to the coaches, finding out more about the new players. There's uh, 30-plus players in, about 20-plus out. There could be more players added in the transfer portal. So a lot of interesting stuff as they try to rebuild the roster and then take that next step up to bowl eligibility. I had a chance to talk to Ricky Logo, new defensive line coach, and he's got a good experience group back. He's got some freshmen coming in. We haven't seen them yet, but uh, started out the conversation with Coach Ricky, just asking him about some of the rocks, some of the veterans that he's building the line around. Well, you got uh, Darius Johnson, uh, you got Jalen Dixon, uh, you know, you got those guys that really have stepped up uh, the leadership role from a local, from a vocal standpoint. Uh, Waisale, our nose tackle, you know, a 320-plus pound guy, you know, he leads by example. And, and those guys are really have been the starters throughout spring practice, leading the way. It's just trying to bring those younger guys that lack some experience just to come along. Well, you like uh, Ben Key's body, you know, another 320-pound guy, um, a junior college guy. So there's some experience from, from the standpoint of playing experience. But you got a guy from Australia that's learning rugby, the American football, and he's still learning. But he's got a lot of talent 
Uh, of course, he's the senior in our group. And then, of course, uh, you have uh, on the other side, uh, redshirt freshman uh, is Nick Dimitri. And you love his body, but a guy that hasn't played much. But trying to bring him along, he just lacks experience right now. And what do you have to work on with Nick? Because the fans have been watching, you know, Nick on the depth chart, not seeing him move up, and he was the most Ballyhooed recruit from a couple of years ago. Like you said, he has the look. I mean, he's got the size. So what's the next step for him in terms of what he needs to learn? Pad level uh, and then learning how to play with his hands. I think he's starting to understand the importance of being, if you want to be physical, you got to be able to use your hands. And so trying to get those pad levels, trying to be violent, but his hands are two things that he's working on. You mentioned double teams. So you got some guys on the line. You know, your more experienced, smaller guy is mm-hmm. Dixon. Yes. So how does a guy like that, who's about 250, 255, deal with all that size up front and double teams? Uh, he does a great – he's probably our most twitchiest player that we have on the defensive front. And, of course, even though he's light, his pad level is really low. So he's able to sustain and hold his gap. And his linemen come off the block, he just shows up. So, you know, then when I'm looking at 320-pound guys that are getting knocked off the ball, I show Jalen Dixon that's a 265-pound guy being able to play with great knee bend, physicality with his hands, quick feet, and still be able to hold his gap. What about O.C., who's got the physical frame from a height standpoint, you know, pushing 6'4", 6'5", but thinner and really wasn't a true defensive lineman in the past? Well, I'll tell you what, when he understands – uh, the playbook, uh, he's really has shown flashes of rushing that passer. Um, he's playing two different positions and two different packages. So trying to learn major in one and then trying to learn the pass rush stuff. But I've been trying to tell him in order for us to be able to pass rush, we've got to stop the run. So uh, we're working on the run, but as far as just letting him rush the passer, he's pretty natural at doing it. We're talking about the D-line with the D-line coach here at UNLV, Ricky Logo. Another guy to mention who uh, I think it was three practices back, ended the practice with a pick six, uh, good hands right right in front of the quarterback at the time is Fisher Kamak, who is another dude who's got a frame at 6'7", probably can get up to 265, 270. So what are you seeing with him? He's really had a great spring practice right now. He's really making some plays. Um, there's still some hesitation that causes him to play slow. So he's still trying to figure things out. But as far as the natural, he's very slippery at getting off some big guys. And, you know, for him, it's learning his playbook right now is the biggest thing for him right now. But him and, and Osei are probably similar type bodies. And if we get in a long yardage situation, I'm putting Jalen Dixon inside and putting those two guys on the edge. <laughs> So spring practice ends in a couple of weeks. Yes. You guys have the, the spring game. From what you've seen with this group, first of all, on the front end, you really didn't bring any uh, transfer portal guys in. You have some freshmen coming in who could yes. probably play on the line. What do you tell you know, the guys who you're working for, you know, Barry Odom and, and Shear, hey, do we need more? Do you have to go into the portal and get another defensive lineman? What do you think? Or do you like this group enough where, hey, we, we can move forward with this? Yeah, um, the great thing about this group, um, there's already a history of being accountable to one another. Uh, always having depth is something you never turn down. Uh, we're still going through spring practice. Uh, we want to build our depth uh, so we can stay healthy throughout the, the season. So uh, we'll assess that after spring practice. But if coach gives me a number to sign another portal kid, I'm definitely going to take it. <laughs> Uh, in the off season, what do you recommend in terms of work for your guys? Are you, do you encourage working with 
other people I know in the past, Adam Plant, who's now gone from the school, was working with some local experts. Also, uh, we have a big uh, Von Miller camp that lands here, and, and the guys were out there. Like, how do you feel about people outside the program contributing? You know, to the progress of your players. Oh, when you get guys like that well, with their experience, you're talking about Vaughn Miller, the guys that he works with, Donald, Aaron Donald, Marcus Ware. Uh, you know, we had the Shrine Bowl here not too long ago, and our kids were out there watching some of the things that the NFL guys are doing. I think it's excellent. You know, uh, anytime they can learn something, as long as it stays within what we're doing, but you can always get tools to help them and uh, better their game, especially in the pass rush situation. By the way, I feel like you're a warm weather guy. A lot of time in Hawaii. Yes. What, what do you think? This is literally the coldest March we've had uh, since I've been here, and I've been here over 25 years. Well, they told me it doesn't rain very much here, <laughs> you know, and I think uh, this new staff, uh, whoever told us that story lied to us. So it's been a lot of rain, a lot of wind. I'm still waiting for that. Uh, I hear about the story about the dry heat, so... I'm just, uh, I'm on G waiting on O for that uh, dry heat to come along right now, but I'm going to enjoy it while it's cool right now. Ricky Logo, veteran, defensive line coach, now with UNLV working under Barry Odom, and it is the one position, the defensive line, where they did not go out in the first two recruiting periods and try to hit the transfer portal. They have at least one freshman recruit coming in, maybe two. I think Barry Odom said that uh, one of the guys who was listed as O-line, D-line, uh, Odom's like, well, I'm the head coach, so he's probably going to play D-line. Uh, so they have two more fresh faces coming in, maybe someone from the transfer portal, but I think they trust this group, and they are now going to be, mostly Willie, a three-man front, which means the guys who are 260, 265, there's a lot of responsibility there, but they have a lot of flexibility across the roster, and a, and a lot of veterans, actually. Arroyo got some really blue-chip recruits, especially out of Southern California, that I think are going to emerge this year, so this could be a pretty good group. And considering the athleticism we've seen in the Mountain West Conference over the years, I think they need it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they certainly need to come up with something against the uh, Air Force in future years when they play them. Mm-hmm. Because they, they got to be able to stop the run. they got to be able to do it every single game.